What's good, Anchor Central? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing all right? You guys awake? We got the eye boogers out? You guys caffeined up and everything? Like Brian said, my name is Matthew. I'm the lead pastor over at Anchor Lincoln, and I'm super excited to be with you guys this morning. It's been a minute. Last time I was here was our, our Fat Daddy birthday celebration, and uh, I'm just glad to be here, period, because you guys are beautiful. That's all I'll say to that, all right? Clap for yourselves because you're beautiful. Uh, like Brian was mentioning, he mentioned the Forward Fund, and I just want to let you know where your generosity goes. Um, I have a Maserati. I'm joking. Um, you're <laughs> Thank you. Some of you are like, Maserati, what? What's a Mazda? Is it like a Honda Civic? Close. Um, but uh, no, I am, I, we are in the Lincoln District, ministering to the Lincoln District and the surrounding area, being able to pastor this community, and that's because of your generosity. Part of your generosity goes to church planting efforts. And here's the thing, we don't want to just stop in the Lincoln District. We want to keep on going. It's the, the vision that God has placed on our hearts as a leadership team here. And so I just want to thank you as uh, someone who has benefited from from your generosity. Thank you for allowing us to continue to minister in the Lincoln District. Okay, I digress. Let's party. You guys ready to continue in this series on anticipation? Do you guys remember what we talked about last week? It, someone did? Did someone take notes? Who took notes? You take, you take notes? Trust. That's what we talked about last week. We talked about trust. Uh, over at Anchor Lincoln, we like to talk a little bit, so feel free to just scream at me, all right? Um, just straight scream. Um, no, please don't do that. It'll, it'll terrify me. I scare easily. No, we talked about trust last week, and we looked at the life of Moses, and we looked at this little situation Moses had, and you may have remembered if you were here last week, where Moses was dealing with the Israelites, and the Israelites were moaning and groaning. Do you remember why they were moaning and groaning? Because they wanted figs and pomegranates, it's like Moses is like, listen, I just, I mean, I mean, 40 years ago-ish time, you know, but 40-ish years ago, I, I brought you out of Egypt, out of oppression, out of slavery, and you want to go back for pomegranates? Cool. Uh, I need to go to the tent of meeting because I'm going to take this staff and I'm going to start whacking some of your skulls if I don't. And so he goes into the tent of meeting. He meets with the Lord and the Lord says, okay, Moses, this is manageable. We can deal with this. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to leave this tent of meeting with the staff and you're going to go to that rock and you're going to speak to the rock and out of the rock will flow water for the people. He says, okay. What does he do? He goes out and he yells at the people and he says, you're a bunch of rebels. And he strikes the rock twice. He strikes the rock twice to which God allowed water to come out of that rock, but says to Moses, Moses, you are unfit to lead my people into the promised land because I, I don't need a leader who's going to strike the rock twice. I need a shepherd to lead my people in the promised land. And so we looked at, okay, that's probably not how we should trust, right? We should we should put our trust in the Lord. We should trust that his will, his way is better than ours, even if it doesn't make sense to us. And so we looked at trust being the foundation of anticipation. And today we are going to be continuing that as we consider what does it look like to faithfully endure? You know, as you're anticipating something, as you're waiting for something to come through, you have to faithfully endure. My wife Kate and I, we just purchased a house last month. 
in the Lincoln District. Thank God. Am I right? Come on. Gotta love the Lincoln District. Um, and it's actually two blocks from the church, and so I get to walk to church in the mornings. And it's across the street from some of our congregants, and so I get to judge them when they're not showing up in the mornings. Um, I knock on their door with a little bell. Uh, come to church, uh, sinners. Um, and, uh, and so, but, but well, it's a beautiful thing, right? It fell into our laps, really. Um, the problem was, is the contractor said, because it needed a total bathroom and kitchen remodel, um, because, I mean, it was bad. And, um, and so they said, hey, two weeks. Two weeks' time, it'll, it'll be ready for you. It's like, great, praise God. Um, two weeks go by. Still not ready for us. So three weeks time, it'll be ready for you. So three weeks time, okay. Three weeks time, three weeks go by. Still not ready for us. Four weeks, one to five weeks, it's, it's still not quite ready. So we got, uh, uh, we just got a sink in the kitchen. Until then we were using wet ones wipes. And uh, about a week and a half ago, we got a toilet. And before then we were kind of going in the backyard. I'm joking, we weren't staying at the house at that point. Um, uh, only somewhat joking. Um, and, and, and so it's been this process of faithfully enduring, knowing, anticipating that at some point, at some point, things will be made right and we will be able to live in this house peacefully. And this is a picture of what the people of God are called to do in this time. We are anticipating the completion. We are anticipating the return of our Lord who will restore all things, who will renew all things. When you look out in the world, you won't see plastic-filled oceans. They will be cleansed. You won't see burning rainforests. They will be restored. We're waiting for, for, for the, the crises to be done away with and the injustices to be squashed as justice reigns. We are waiting we are waiting expectantly for that day. And before that day comes, we have to faithfully endure. You see, it's not about just praying a prayer once and going buck for the rest of your life. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, it's not about praying a prayer once and going crazy for the rest of your life and, and doing whatever you want for the rest of your life. No, it's not. It's not that. No, it's, it's a faithful endurance of following after Jesus, stumbling towards Jesus alongside one another. That's what we've been called to do. And I believe that faithful endurance can, could really be boiled down to imperfectly leaning in. It's a process of imperfectly leaning into who God calls us to be and how he calls us to live. We're not going to do it perfect. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. But the beauty of our God is he is a God that is marked by grace. Or else why would he have continued to give water to the Israelites even after Moses disobeyed him? Because he is a gracious God. And so today we're asking ourselves the question, what does it look like to lean in? And we have an example in Joshua. Joshua was the, the protege of Moses. And Joshua has been given charge of the people of God to lead them in the promised land. You see, once Moses left or, or passed away, he passed away on the cusp of the promised land. He was unable to walk into the promised land, but Moses still won because we still read about him talking with the God or talking with God, talking with him. You see, he received the true promise. He received the true blessing. And so he passed away on the cusp of the promised land and Joshua's turn. He was up to go now lead the people across the Jordan River into this Land And so what Joshua does is Joshua, he takes the baton, and the first thing he does is he sends out spies. Hey, go check out Jericho, because that's where we're headed first. 
We're headed to Jericho first, so he sent out some spies, and these spies go to Jericho, and they're surveying the land, and they come upon this prostitute named Rahab, and Rahab says, hey, I got you, brings them in, protects them. When the king of, of Jericho tries to snuff them out, um, she says, hey, they're not here. Meanwhile, they're in the closet um, hiding, and, and because of that, she and her family would receive salvation when the Israelites would come to conquer Jericho, and so they come back, and they say, here's what we saw, and he says, okay, Okay, great. Now let's cross the Jordan. And so he gets the people of God and he sends out the priests and the Ark of the Covenant uh, into the water. And just as we get this image of Moses uh, bringing, you know, hitting his staff on the ground and the Red Sea splitting and the water stopping, so the flow of the Jordan stopped as the people of God left the wilderness into the promise. And once they were done with that, they camped up, they celebrated God, they purified themselves uh, ritually, and they observed Passover. They looked back at God, how he, how he rescued them out of the slavery uh, uh, from under the grips of Egypt and brought them out of that, and then they turned their gaze to Jericho. And so it begins. And so it begins. And before they begin to plan out how they're going to do it, we read that the commander of the army of the Lord, whatever that means, we don't know. Was it, the, you know, was it, uh, who was it? Was it Jesus? We don't know. But we know as a divine being from the Lord came and talked to Joshua. And this is what we read. This is what we read starting in verse 1 of chapter 6. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. I love in verse 2 how it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with his king and mighty men of valor. The battle was won before they even started. The battle was won before they even started. And I think this is a wonderful word for the people of God today, for us today. It seems like we're losing the battle at times, doesn't it? We look around. We see the injustice. We see the pain. We see the, the, the sin of the world that is eating itself, cannibalizing itself. We see the division. We see the anger. We see all of that. And it's hard to believe at times that we have won, but the word of the Lord to his people is, don't worry about it. The battle has been won. I need for you only to faithfully endure and to trust in me. And so he continues, and the Lord would say, this is how you're going to win the battle. This is my strategy for you. It's been one. Here's how you're going to go about it. What does he say? Does, does, does he say, hey, get the warriors, get the, get the people who like, who like to fight, who are a little bloodthirsty, a little crazy in the eyes, right? Get those people. Make sure their, their blades are sharp, both sides. Give the people sharp arrows and go to town. That's not what the Lord says. What does he say? Get the musicians, Joshua was like, what? The, the, what? Wait, what, the who? Get the musicians. Get 
the people who weren't playing with swords but were behind sheet music. Get the people who grow up in jazz band, in choir. Don't get the ones who played war or Call of Duty. No, no, we don't need them. I need you to get the musicians. Don't, don't oil up the swords, sharpen the swords, grease up them trumpets, and let's party. We're tearing down these walls with the sound of music. Can you imagine what Joshua was thinking? The sound of music? God, is this you? What did I eat last night? Lord, you said the sound of music? Yes, the sound of music. March around the walls of Jericho seven times, and the walls will fall flat. But don't do it as the world would do it. Don't do it as the world would do it. Don't do it how Pharaoh would do it. Don't do it how anyone else would do it. Do it how I would do it. I believe what God is doing here is making it clear. The God of the Israelites is far different than the gods of the Canaanites and the surrounding uh, people groups. He's, he's peculiar. He's odd. Why would he choose music? Because he wanted to make it abundantly clear that it was because of him that the walls fell. It wasn't because the Israelites had a strong military force. It wasn't because they had the finest weapons. It wasn't any of that. It was because of Yahweh that the walls would fall flat. He wanted to make it abundantly clear. He didn't want to share the glory. And the same is true continuously through our lives as we follow after God. He wants to make it abundantly clear that he is the reason that we win our battles, that he is the one fighting our battles for us. And so we get this picture of Joshua not pulling away, not pushing away, not chalking up the deuces like, God, please, I'm, I'm a, I, I want to stab somebody, God. No, he doesn't do that. He leans in to what God was calling him to do. When I lean in, it's a conscious thing, right? I'm leaning in. He decided to be obedient. I believe part of that was he remembered what happened to Moses when he was only partially obedient. Like, I've seen him strike the rock twice, and I know that wasn't cool with God, so I'm going to just follow suit. I'm going to trust in God because his ways are higher than mine and are better and so we see him leaning in in verses 6 through 14. We read, So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns, horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the Ark, while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout." So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns, uh, before the ark of the Lord walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to camp. So they did for six days. For six days, one pass around the city. 
I can imagine the guys with the swords were like, I just want to get in there. <laughs> you know, I just want to do my thing. What I've been trained to do, slice and dice. <laughs> but you got these people playing trumpets. <laughs> what is this? I can't even say a word. He said, don't say a word until I tell you to. Can you imagine like, oh, sitting on their hands like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Anyways, what we see here is Joshua wasn't playing any games. The Lord spoke and he acted in the will of the Lord. Immediately, we, we don't see any, any indication here that Joshua was like, I just need to, God, let me pray on that. <laughs> let me pray on your word and just make sure that uh, that's what I want to do. You see, God, I, I, there might be a better way. No, he's immediately, he calls the people together and he calls the priests and the people. and He says, this is the game plan. And you can imagine what the military commanders were thinking. Okay, so this is the game. Joshua, what did you eat last night? Like, did you, did you hit your head while you were crossing the Jordan or something? Are you good? Okay, this is the word of the Lord. And so they moved forward. Joshua leaned in. He leaned in. He trusted the Lord. Immediately, he trusted the Lord. And in doing so, he gives us an example of what we ought to do when the Lord speaks. He gives us an example of what we ought to do when we read the word of the Lord. Immediately, move forward. Move forward. A few years ago, when we were preparing to plant the church at the time, we didn't even have a name for it. Uh, we knew it was going to be Anchor, some Anchor fill in the blank. And so we were going through names. It landed on kind of like Anchor East for a minute because we're like, this general area maybe, question mark. And uh, we did some prayer walking and the Lord kind of confirmed and not just my heart and the hearts of those who are leading the church, but also the greater Anchor community, the board. It felt confirmed that, okay, the Lincoln District is where we are going to be doing this work. The Lincoln District is where we're going to sow in these roots. And then we had an info meeting, and the info meeting was popping. We had Costco pizza. Everyone was happy. There's like 20 of us. We were eating good, all right? We had leftovers. And after that info meeting, I went on paternity leave. My son was born. And as I was going on paternity leave, we heard news that there was this interesting virus, this interesting virus called COVID-19, and it was doing something. But it was like up in Redmond or something, so it's fine. It's not a big deal. That's their problem. We down here in Tacoma. We're good. We're good. And went on paternity leave. I turned everything off except for Marvel movies. That's all we did. Marvel movies and McCoy, our son. That was, we bounced back between the two and we ate good food that some of you guys dropped off to us. And, uh, and two weeks later, turned back, turned everything back on, turned Slack on, and I realized... Life is Zoom. Like, this is all there is to life now. Like, I can't even kiss my wife. I have to Zoom her goodnight. <laughs> like, I, I can't even hold her hand. Zoom is everything. What are we going to do? What are we going to do now? We were supposed to plant a church, and how you plant a church is you go to a space, you identify a space, you go to the coffee shops and the bars, you hang out there until you're broke, and then you start begging for coffee, and people will come and give you coffee. You'll drink more coffee than you will food. You, you won't eat that much, but you will plant a church. And I can't do that. I can't do that. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And we asked ourselves a question, do we move forward with this? Do we move forward with this? And we spent time praying about it talking about it, and it seemed clear, yes, move forward. 
move forward. And on paper, we would have, no one would judge us, right? It's fine, don't do it. There's a pandemic. Put a mask on, it's fine, don't do it. Hang out at home, it's fine. But we felt that the Lord was saying, go. Move forward. March around those walls. Move forward. I know it doesn't make sense, but do it. And because of that, here a year and a half-ish, I'm losing track of time, uh, sometime later, here we are, a growing community, over 100 people joining us regularly on Sunday mornings. God is doing something in the city. God is doing something in the Lincoln District. People are finding community. People are finding hope. People are finding life. And at the time, it didn't make any sense. Like, church is YouTube mixed with Zoom. That's church. We're taking communion with chai and, and like, like wheat thins. Like, dip the wheat thins in the chai tea. It's fine. It's the blood of Christ. Don't worry about it. It's a little darker than, don't worry about it. It's fine. That was life. But we honored the Lord. We honor the Lord and we step forward. And it's not just with church planting, right? God is putting something in front of all of us to step forward and to trust him in. And what he's asking us to do is lean in. Wait, God, you don't understand my upbringing. You see, uh, it doesn't work that way with me. Trust me, is what he says. God, you don't understand the emotions that well up within me when I read this part of your word. I can't believe that. He says, trust me. God, wait, hold up, hold up. My opinion is otherwise. You see, I don't think that's the best tactic. I think the best tactic is this. He says, trust me. The Lord wants our trust. He wants us to lean in. He wants us to trust that his ways are higher than ours. He doesn't want the clay to, to speak back and try to tell the potter what's what. He wants us to trust him. Because trusting in him leads to shalom. Trusting him leads to peace. Trusting him leads to victory. He wants us. So we follow Joshua's example, and we trust him, knowing that it's not easy. It's not easy. We get it. That's why we imperfectly lean in. That's why we know that we're going to stumble, and that his grace is sufficient to cover a multitude of sins. And we know from 1 John 1, 9 that if we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We know that's the type of God he is. And so we lean in imperfectly, knowing we're going to stumble. We're not going to do it perfectly, and we see that in the lives of the disciples. You see, the disciples, they leaned in. They leaned in. He said, what about his body? He said, I got to eat his body and drink his blood? What? That's spooky. Okay. I mean, I don't think that's the best PR move, Lord, for you to talk to the masses like that, but let's do it. He said, wait, hold up. He said, go out in pairs with no rations and go out, um, only bring one cloak and go out and why don't you just evangelize a little bit? Why don't you tell people about who I am and heal people and cast out demons? He said, what? Okay, I'll do it. I'm gonna do it, Lord. He said, wait, there's only this many fish and this many loaves, but he says, pass them out. All right, Lord. We see them leaning in, but we also see them imperfectly doing so. Peter imperfectly does it, walks with the Lord closely in his circle, in his inner circle, yet he still denies him three times. And you would think, because Jesus told him, you are going to deny me three times. You would think on that second time, he's like, I probably shouldn't go three. 
I should probably chill out now. But he said a third time, then the rooster crowed. He's like, oh, man, I did it. Boo, boo, bee, boo. He goes off. He starts fishing again. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, come on. I'm going to reinstate you. It's fine. I forgive you. Go. Feed my sheep. Go. Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Go. Lead. Keep going. Keep leaning in. He continued to give him opportunities to lean in. This is the character of our God. And it showcases the character of the disciple. A disciple, a follower of Jesus, someone who follows after him, claims Christ as somebody who imperfectly leans in, who has a disposition of trust. And listen, it's not always going to be easy, and that's okay. We're not always just going to be totally in line, like, yeah, I, I totally believe that 100% right now. I have a buddy who... Um, is uh, he goes to Anchor Lincoln. He was actually, I went to college with him, one of my groomsmen, but went off, did the van life, lived overseas for a while and came back. And in that time he lost his faith, but has since started coming back into the faith. And he was telling me that he decided to read scripture and lead with trust. I'm going to read this. I'm going to trust you, Lord. And when I come across something that I struggle with, when I come across something I doubt, I'm going to put it on the shelf. I'm going to put it on the shelf, and I'm going to deal with that later. But I'm going to lead. My predisposition is going to be one of trust. I'm going to trust in you, Lord. I'm going to trust that your way is higher. I struggle with this or these things on the shelf, but I'm going to get to that. In community, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to study this, but I'm going to lead with trust. That's what the Lord he desires from his people, to lead with trust. It's not ignorance. It's not ignorance because we're still dealing with these things. We're still wrestling with these things, but we're doing so appropriately. Not by ourselves, which is us and YouTube. That's how you get weird and start trying to levitate. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. I know. It didn't work. <laughs> okay, it didn't work. That's how you get weird. You do so in community. You lean into community and you deal with the things that are on your shelf. And we imperfectly lean in, stumbling our way towards Jesus in full anticipation and expectation of when he comes, he will restore all things and make good on his promise, that there is an inheritance awaiting us, one of full restoration, healing, and eternal life. We believe that, so we claim that. We cling on to that. And ultimately, as we lean in, we'll see victory. We will see victory. We read that Joshua and his people did as the Lord had commanded them, and the walls fell flat, and they saw victory. We will see victory. That's a guarantee. No questions about it. It is a guarantee that you will see victory. Now, don't let your mind go to where I know you wanted to go. Uh, a bigger house? Uh, a promotion? That Maserati? Huh? Lord? 14 miles a gallon, $100,000 car? Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. No. See, our, our victory that the Lord desires to give us is far bigger than that. It's better than that. It's so much better than that. And that's what we are guaranteed, that we will receive restoration. We will receive healing, that when he comes back, when he returns, he will usher in peace. He will usher in restoration. He will usher in reconciliation. He will usher in all of that, and we will dwell with him forever. No tears, no pain, no sorrow. That's what we anticipate. That's the victory we are looking at. 
that's on the horizon. And so until then, saints, let's lean in. Let's lean in. Lean into community. Lean into community. Lean into the people around you. This is not the extent of the church. This is the tip of the church's iceberg right here, right now. The church is not an event that we come to to get entertained by. That's why we don't call it a service. It's a gathering. The saints, the people of God, and others, because the door is open as wide as possible. We come in, and we worship God, and we hear about his word, and we serve one another, and we love one another. And you don't fully believe yet? That's fine. You can come too. You don't have to believe to belong here. Come on in. Come on in. We want to live life with you. Come on in. This is what the church is. We're gathering the people of God, exemplifying the disposition of God towards the world and loving one another. We lean in as we read scripture in our day-to-day -day devotions, and we lead with trust. God, this is your word. This is your word. God breathed, infallible, authoritative. I trust it. Even though I want to argue with this part right here, like this part right here where it says, I need to do that. I don't want to do that. God, I don't want to do it. But I'm going to trust it. I'm going to lean into that. So we lean in as we read scripture and we're conformed to his patterns, his ways. Worship team, you guys could come on up. We lean in in prayer our day to day as we pray, as we seek the Lord and are conformed to his image as we pray and internalize the truths of God. We pray. And we lean in as we serve, as we live for the good. Our vision statement here is to be a community of imperfect Jesus followers living for the good of Tacoma and the greater South Sound. We exist to live not just for one another in this comfortable Christian cul-de-sac where we bump Chris Tomlin and survive on rice and beans as we wait till kingdom come, singing kumbaya and eating bonbons. No, no, God has called us and activated us and empowered us for something far bigger than that. So we live for the good. How do we live for the good? We live with good deeds, good works. We supply Olive Crest with their needs to help with foster kids and foster families. We, we support world relief as they seek to care for refugees. We, we, we serve the communities around us. We serve Tacoma Rescue Mission as they serve uh, the homeless community of our city. We serve, we get our hands in there. We don't just write a check. But we, we go and we meet and we walk with these people. And so we, we do so with our hands, but we also do with our mouth. We speak, we evangelize, we speak the goodness of God in this world. You know, there's this quote that was uh, falsely attributed to St. Francis of Assisi that says something along the lines of preach the gospel and if you, if you really need to, use your words. Have you heard that? It's probably on like some poster next to the one with like the footprints in the sand. So you're like, oh, that's corny. I don't know who wrote that, but it wasn't St. Francis, falsely attributed to him. I don't know, it could have been Deepak Chopra. I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but I sure know this, it wasn't Jesus, it wasn't Paul. They're the ones who say, go and speak it. Go therefore, go to all nations. Tell them about what I've done. Tell them about the great love I have for them and the grace that I have for them. Go and tell them. Eternity is on the line. Do it because it's good. And here's the thing. When we realize, when we realize how Christ leaned in on our behalf, 
how he leaned in so much so, as Paul would say in Philippians chapter 2, that he took on flesh, not a counting, counting equality with God, a thing to be grasped. He humbled himself, even to the point of death, death on a cross, he humbled himself so that we might be reconciled back to God. When we realize the extent that Jesus leaned in, it's natural that we lean in. It's just natural that we lean in. It becomes a desire to lean in with our whole lives, our whole beings, not just our wallets, our whole lives, our hands, our hearts, our mind, to lean in into who God is calling us to be and who he desires us to be. And so my encouragement for us in this season is simple. You ready for it? It's revolutionary. In the season of anticipation, let's lean in. Amen? God, we just thank you for what you are doing in this community. We thank you that you are working through us, and we thank you that you leaned in first. God, we love you, we bless you, and we praise all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now's this time that we take for communion, and communion is this time where as the people of God, we come together and we go to the table and we commemorate his death, his sacrifice on our behalf. And what I like to do is, is I, I like to take a moment to confess my sins, knowing that I'm confessing them not to some malevolent taskmaster, but someone who seeks to remove the weight of sins from my shoulders. So I'd encourage you to do the same. And if you've this is the first time you've decided you, you wanna put your trust in Jesus, you wanna lean in a little bit, let this be the first mark of you leaning in. The table is open for you to take communion, to commemorate the sacrifice that Christ made on your behalf because he loves you and he desires to be in relationship with you. And so you'll come up over this next song of worship, his body broken, his bloodshed, and if you need prayer, we've got prayer stations on either side.